another episode of the Adrian Ross Show. And this is a special episode because I have a special guest. Have you heard of the movie Jesus Revolution? It's the new movie. Look, if you have not seen this movie, go see it. It is powerful. And our guest is connected to the story of this movie. She and her husband lived this story. So if you are listening on a podcast platform or at the bmgnetwork.com, I'm glad you're listening. If you're watching via adrianross.substack.com or or maybe you went straight to YouTube and you're watching there, I'm glad you're watching and you're going to love this story. Just uh, uh, several days ago, several women from my friend Christy King's life group, a life group is like a, a Bible study, several women um, and myself among them went to the movies together to see Jesus Revolution. And our guest, Miss Pamela Camerata, was one of those women. But not only was she there in the theater with us, again, she was a part of that movement we were watching on the screen. This is, it's so exciting, in particular because of the revival that is taking place right now, which I'm sure I'll talk about with her. Jesus Revolution details the move of God that took place in the late 60s, early 70s. It's about a pastor, Chuck Smith, who was leading a church that wasn't exactly thriving. And that story intersects with a man named Lonnie Frisbee. He had been a hippie, he had been on drugs, and God radically changed his life. And that intersects with the story of Pastor Greg Laurie. You may have heard of him, but the movie details this for us. And my guest details for us how she is connected to what we see in this real life story, Jesus Revolution, the movie, okay? So I want you to tune in. I want you to dig in. And I want you to hear what our guest, Pamela Camerata, has to share with us. Miss Pam Camerata, I am so glad that you agreed to be a guest on the Adrian Ross Show. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. And I was just telling our listeners and watchers that you are a special guest. All right. <laughs> yes, you are. I don't know about guest. that, but. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. And, um, and I was telling them that not only did we go see the movie Jesus Revolution together with a group of other ladies, but that you are connected to what the movie was about. You are connected to Jesus revolution. And so I want you to share with us your story, what that connection is. I'm going to do my best to be as quiet as possible, which my audience is not used to. (laughs) And I'm going to do my best to be as quiet as possible and to ask some questions of you, but I want to follow your lead. Now, listen, um, those of you who are watching and listening, I'm learning about this just as you're learning about this. I don't know the details of Miss Pam's story. Okay, so I'm just learning along with you, and we're just going to let her roll with it. Please tell us 
okay? What your connection is with this move that Jesus revolution highlights for us. Okay. Well, back in 1971, um, I had some friends who wanted to move to Colorado Springs, Colorado. Mm -hmm. And um, they asked if I would, Bill's idea was he wanted to go ahead of us, you know, and uh, find a place to stay. So um, he left probably, I think it was the end of May. And who was he? His, he was a, just a friend of mine, Bill and friend. his wife. Yeah. Yep. Yes. And so, um, so he called us and he said, I've got a great place to stay. We can stay there for free. And he told me and his wife and they had a baby, you know, to come on out to Colorado Springs. So we drove out there, got like there in early June. And the place that he directed us to was called Shiloh Youth Revival Centers. And so, um, what it was, was it was a Christian commune and they took in hitchhikers or people who needed a place to stay. And um, only requirement was you could stay there and sleep there if you came to the Bible study that evening. So, um, you know, and uh, to be honest, I told them, you know, when they asked, I said, yes, I'm a Christian, you know, and stuff. And so um, I thought, well, hey, I can stay for a Bible study, you know, and we ended up staying there. A couple weeks um, until they found their own place. Bill and his wife found their own place to stay, and um, actually, I moved out with them and moved to their apartment. But I went back every night for Bible studies because I, I saw something in this people hmm. that was very different from anything I'd ever known. Like I say, I grew up as a Lutheran. Um, I considered myself a Christian, but these people. There's just just to look at them. I mean, it, everything about them was just so different than anything I'd seen. Um, they just had such a presence. I could see their love for the Lord in every action they took in every I mean, just to look at wow. them. Um, it was it was just amazing. I had never experienced anything like that before. And I'm like, OK, these are not like any Christians I've ever known before. You know, it was just amazing wow. to me. And um I ended up, I think it was April 24th, um, I talked with David Littlejohn, his name was, uh, he and his wife, Bonnie, ran that particular house in Colorado Springs, and um, I just shared that with them, and uh, so I prayed with them, and I, I accepted the Lord, and um, I said I would like to stay here, I don't want to go back to live with my friends, I'd like to move in, and so that's what I did, mm-hmm. and um it was just, uh, uh, I, I don't know, it's, I don't know how to explain it, but it was just amazing. Um, their love for the Lord and their love for everybody, you know, um, after the Bible studies every night, they would go out witnessing on the streets and stuff. And uh, so I kind of went at, to watch rather than, you know, because I was just like, okay, this is, but um, they, they just had a love for people. And like I say, they just wanted to do everything that that Jesus had set before them to do. They were willing to do whatever, you know? So, um, so I moved into that house with them. And um, then in the fall, uh, Shiloh had a berry farm out in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, it was near uh, what was it? Cornelius, I think it was called. And it was uh, near Portland. And so they needed people from all the other houses. We had I come to find out, which I had no idea either, was that Shiloh had houses all over the United States. 
And so they had called as many people as they could to come to the berry farm and help pick berries, you know, harvest the crop. And um, so I was one of those that ended up going with them. I think there were probably about five from our house. And we then went to, we had a house in Denver also. So we went to Denver and got some more people that were going to go out with us. And uh, we actually started out hitchhiking. Um, wow. And uh, I, the one thing they always told us was that if you are, you know, if it comes Sunday morning and you want to go to a church, they told us to go to a black Baptist church. They said, if you go to a white church, nobody will take you in. They won't, they won't accept it. <laughs> they said, if you go to a wow. black Baptist church, they will, they'll greet you and welcome you in. And um, we found that to be very true. So wow. uh, I thought that was pretty interesting, but <laughs> um, anyway, so what we did was we hitchhiked, but we would hitchhike from one Shiloh house to the next. So like we went from, like say, from Colorado to Denver, then to um, uh, Salt Lake City, we had a house and um, where was the next? I can't remember. But we just went from house to house. And a lot of times they would take us, you know, a certain distance or whatever, you know, and, and that. So anyway, we made it out to the berry farm and there were couple hundred of us on the berry farm and um but uh evidently they hadn't had enough so they had uh john higgins who started shiloh in oregon had been part of uh lonnie frisbee uh and and chuck uh excuse me chuck smith i'm sorry yeah. uh, you know organization i i don't think he came to the lord down there i'm not sure but anyway he actually, um, in the movie where you see Greg Laurie come and stay at one of the house, at a house. with yes. okay, That's what John um, Higgins and Lonnie Frisbee did. They set up houses um, that people could come and stay. Same thing as what we did in Shiloh. So what John did is when he was down there with Lonnie Frisbee and Chuck Smith, he uh, they made a decision that he would go to Oregon and start houses just like what they were doing there. I think in... Um, California, they were called House of Miracles. Mm. And when John moved it to Oregon, he called it Shiloh, Youth Revival Centers, Shiloh for short. Um, so uh, John Higgins had called down to House of Miracles and asked if they could send any people up to Oregon to help us at the berry farm. And um, it ended up, my husband was one of those. Well, of course, I didn't know him at the time, but right. <laughs> Gene was one of the people who came up and stuff. And so uh, from there, it was just, uh, you know, we, we, well, I actually worked in the kitchen. I did uh, help with the cooking and stuff, but everybody else went out and uh, they picked berries, they picked nuts, um, you know, whatever was needing to be done and uh, in around that area and stuff. And again, every night we had Bible studies, you know, and times to, to talk and visit with others. And so that was where, I got to meet Jean and um, it was kind of funny because at one point I think we'd uh, been there a week or two and he came up and he told me, you know, he says, I'm not trying to be pushy or anything, but you know, I'd like to get to know you a little bit. And I said to him, I, I said, you know, you're not the first guy who said that to me since I've been there. <laughs> and I said, so I said, I'm willing to be friends, but I'm really not interested in anything else, you know, and stuff. And he said, that's okay. And, and from then on, he was, he, we, we got to be really good friends, you know, and stuff. So, um, but 
from there, um, it was just um, like when we got done in Oregon with the picking berries and stuff, we ended up making our way up the coast. We went into uh, Washington and we picked apples for the season and we picked peaches and, and it was just, you know, did all kinds of activities like that. And that was how the houses actually ran where, you know, um, in most of the houses, people got jobs uh, just in whatever city they were in. But in different areas like where, you know, where we were in uh, in Oregon, when we had the berry farm there, then people would come together and do that. So so that was where uh, Jean and I got to know each other. And shortly and then after that, we um, he was going to go. We had a, it was called Shiloh Study Center, and that was in Dexter, Oregon, um, by Eugene, Oregon. It was in um, the study center was set up that they would bring groups in. It was usually, I think, five groups um, of eight. So about 40 people at a time. And you got a three month crash course in the word and just everything about the Bible. Um, you know, other than to stop for breakfast, lunch and dinner, we you were just, you know, crash course, everything you could, you know. Um, and so the idea behind this is, is and then what would happen after three months of being at the study center, they would send these groups out to different areas to open houses. Um, and uh, now while Jean was doing that at the study center, I was just living in Eugene, Oregon. I was working at a Chinese restaurant and stuff. But um, so he like he, he went through the school. He And what they had was they had what they called the pastor, the head deacon. And then there were like usually two girls, well, young ladies, and then a few guys. And um, his team was being sent out to Minneapolis, Minnesota mm -hmm. and stuff. So he went through this crash course. And um, but in the meantime, you know, like on weekends, um, we'd go into well, they would come into Eugene and we'd have picnics at the park. I mean, it was just crazy. We, uh, we had a lot of very uh, great people on, you know, musicians and stuff like that. And we would just we'd flood the parks and we would just they would play music and you'd get people that would come and watch and then we'd witness to them and you know share the word with them and stuff like that and so um but that's where everything was really based was on sharing the gospel because no matter what house you were in like I say we'd have their bible study and then in the evening you just would go out into the streets and um we were in a lot of college towns so that you know that was a prime you know place to go to uh to speak to people and stuff. So, um, so that was where, you know, Gene went through that, then he left for Minnesota. Then I was on the next group of people who came to the study center mm -hmm. and, uh, and went through that and stuff. And uh, we had some very strange jobs when we <laughs> were there. We had one job was called chicken picking. And mm -hmm. what you did, yeah, you would in, in the middle of the night, um, and we had to wear these masks over our face because what we did is we went into over to chicken farms and you had to go into the coops where all the chickens were sleeping at nice night. And we had to grab the chickens and throw them into and Well, there were men waiting to put them into trucks. And that was how they, you know, got took, I guess, took the chickens to uh, <laughs> be taken yeah. care of that they could sell. Yeah. But uh, so we had a lot of different really interesting jobs and stuff but um 
So, so I went through the study center and um, then meanwhile, after I was, while I was there, then Gene came back because he was going to pastor a, a church and stuff. And so, well, a house yeah. and, uh, and um, so while he was, when he came back, he was uh, just working otherwise. And I w- went to the study center and like, I went then to New York um, to a house on Long Island. We were in Patchogue, actually. We had, I think, three or four houses in um, on Long Island. But basically, it was to um, go to witness in New York City. It was too expensive to live in New York City. So they yeah, put right. us on the island, you know, and, and then we would take the, the train into the city and we would witness there and stuff. But um, basically, that was... That was what we did, you know, and um, and so uh, Jeannie and I, uh, you know, eventually got together. <laughs> yes, yes, and we got married in 1975. And um, so uh, then, I, like I say, he had another team he took out, and we went to. It was nice. We went to Michigan, and so which is where I was from. So I got to spend a lot of time with my parents, but. Um, our wedding was quite interesting because um, I had my my grandfather came and I had some aunts and uncles who came and the wedding was actually at um, in Columbus, Ohio at the girls house. Some of the bigger cities had um, a guy's and a girl's house. They kept them separate. Now in the smaller towns like Colorado Springs, we were all in one house. The girls lived upstairs and the guys lived downstairs, you know, but um, in Columbus, they had a girl's house and the guys. So anyway, my grandpa cried through the whole wedding because he thought I was marrying Charlie Manson. You know, he thought. <laughs> <it> was, <laughs> you what, know. Why did he? What, why did he feel that way? <laughs> well, because Gene had very long hair, and uh, so he, he was a, he had been a hippie. He was. Oh, Gene was very much a hippie. Yes, yes. I mean, um, yeah. He always had long hair. Now, when I first met him, he had a full beard and everything else. Um, he eventually shaved that and just stayed with the mustache and stuff. But, uh, but yes. And so my grandpa was sure that <laughs> yeah. you know, he had to be some horrible guy, but, um, and I've got some, yeah, cute pictures of, <laughs> of my grandpa and stuff. But uh, so we got married and then, um, like I say, Jean's team went to Michigan and we lived there for a while. Um, and, uh, lived right across the street actually from Michigan State University and uh like in the evenings we would go out witnessing and you know just bring people into the houses it was just amazing um you well you can see from the movie how receptive young people were at that time I mean people were just hungering for the Lord and uh well I don't know that they knew it was the Lord but but um you know uh it was just amazing it was exciting you know and stuff to be able to go there I go out in the streets and just share the gospel with people and um so we did that every night you know and um we had people like I say and then be hitchhiking through and we would offer them a free place to stay and free food just stay for the bible study you know and um some people would come to the lord some people weren't interested at all but you know but but they heard the word, <laughs> Absolutely, you know, so that was the main thing. So, um, so we did that for a couple more years. And then in um, 1970, 
and it was in 75, it was May of 1975, um, as they saw that the hippie thing and whatever wasn't as, you know, um, I guess, I don't know, it, you know, wasn't as much as it what it used to be and stuff. I don't know how to describe that. But uh, they decided that they were going to start sending some of us married couples into cities and just open up churches. Mm-hmm. So Jean and I were part, uh, there were three or four of us couples who moved to Columbus, Ohio. And uh, we opened up a church, we called it Shiloh. Um, but it was just more of a regular type church then, you know, and stuff. And people were more comfortable, families, you know, people with children. And um, I was pregnant at the time we moved there. So my daughter, Anna, was born in Columbus, Ohio, a few months later and stuff but um but more of a family atmosphere because you know after like I say you know uh just like Jean and I had so many of the couples that got you know got married along the way and stuff we were finding that that was more where the need was to to reach out to people and stuff where other couples like us who were having families now and you know needed a place to to serve the Lord so um so we did that then for um, a number of years, and so uh, eventually moved back to Michigan um, and stuff, and lived near my family, and you know, and did that. But uh, so, so that's my story, real quickly. I don't know if that was yeah. <laughs> what you were looking for. Well, what I I'm really curious though, because you you obviously are talking about the houses. That people lived in together, and and I, obviously that comes out in the movie. Yeah. Um. Why was it set up that way, where everyone was kind of communing together, as opposed to just everybody going to their own house doing their own thing? Well, I think because that during that season, and uh, so many young people were out hitchhiking around, you know, and actually that's how my husband came upon uh, their, you know, House of Miracles in um, Costa Mesa was that he and a friend were uh, just driving, you know, I mean, just hitchhiking around, not knowing what to do with themselves. I mean, my husband, I mean, I came from a very simple background, I, you know, and stuff, but uh, Jean had, had gotten, you know, was very much a hippie and had gotten into a lot of trouble, been arrested many times, fact one time they um offered him <laughs> to go into marine into the marines rather than being in jail so he took it but then he got kicked out of the marines yeah. because he was doing drugs so right. you know, so he you know um so he and his friend would just bob marhole and they would just travel around the u.s and do whatever and so uh they just decided to hitchhike out to california and and it would end up being Costa Mesa and they were offered a place to stay, you know, um, like I say, like the house that Greg Laurie ends up living in, you know, and stuff. And so, um, but they, I believe they had the same requirements, you know, you get free place to stay, you get a free meal, but stay for the Bible study, you know, and um, by the time Gene got out there, you know, the circus tent was already up and stuff. And he, you know, was just could not believe the amount of people that were there, but um just uh, fell in love with the Lord and, you know, received him. And um, he tells a really cute story of one Sunday he was at, you know, in the circus tent and 
somebody tapped him on the shoulder and he turned around and he said, there was this little old lady. And she said, tell me, young man, do you know the Lord? And he says, oh, yes, I do. And she says, oh, good, because he just gets sweeter and sweeter every day. Oh, that's <laughs> so, beautiful. And it was yeah. so sweet, you know, but to think that here he is, a long-haired hippie guy, you know, and this lady, she was just so blessed to have him there, you know, and even asking him, do you know the Lord? Because she was just ready to tell him, you know, and stuff, yeah. so. Um, wow. So, was, so, I'm sorry, I didn't want to cut you off, but the move of God that you experienced, that originated from what was going on with uh, what we see in the movie? Was, um, the part that I experienced, yes, like I say, because John Higgins, who started the you know Christian commune that I was a part of, he came from Costa Mesa, yes, and stuff. So he knew, you know, he and Lonnie had started these houses in in uh, Costa Mesa, and he, I guess, it was just kind of decided. Well, hey, let's spread out from California and go into Oregon and stuff, and from there, just. Um, I think Shiloh was known as one, I mean, had having more communal houses than any other commune, you know, that there was and stuff, because we were all over the United States. Wow. Um, so those houses, them. those houses were a staple of that movement. Yes, yeah. very much so. Because, you know, like I say, it was just a season where people were hitchhiking and moving around so much, just looking for something. I don't even think people knew mostly what they were looking for, you know, right. and stuff. Yeah. And uh, I know my husband didn't, you know, <laughs> he just yeah. wanted to. So, um, but yeah, but so the house is just, I mean, for that season, they were perfect. They offered people a place to stay, you know, because, you know, when you go hitchhiking, otherwise, where would you stay and stuff? And, and uh, we just made that available to people. And, and in that way, got to, they got to hear a Bible study and we could share the gospel with them. So it was, it was perfect. It was wonderful. You know? yeah. Well, it's so. like in, in the movie, you just see people coming by the droves to be baptized. And, and like you said, they may not have known what they were looking for, but I, I think in the movie, it was sort of like they were saying, we're looking for truth, you know? Yes. Yeah truth and there was there was I mean it was just like coming to get just coming to get baptized or flooding the churches and, and all that so like what what was it from your from your perspective what was it that caused all these I mean like these are not like traditional you know people who are yeah raised in the church and, and you know all know all the routine and all that but here they come and like you said it's spreading all over I'm just going to ask you in your own words, what was it? It was just Jesus in these people. I mean, it was, like I say, when I went to Colorado Springs, these people were, I don't, you know, you were just drawn to them. You couldn't resist. I mean, you, because it was a Jesus. Uh, for me, I was seeing a Jesus I had never seen in the church. Mm. Um, the, I grew up in a Lutheran church. I went to grade school at a Lutheran school and, you know, uh, we had to learn, you know, get confirmed, all these things. And it meant absolutely nothing to me. I did uh -huh. it more like, yeah, I mean, my parents did it, so I'm doing it, you know, and stuff, but it meant nothing to me. I didn't know anything, you know, but when you saw these people, you could just see it in them and hear it in their voices that Jesus was real that this wasn't a made up story. This wasn't for back 
in the times of, you know, Jesus and that it ended when he, you know, died on the cross, you know, whatever, but it was real. I, I just don't even know how to explain it, but I had never been around people before where there was just this, they just radiated Jesus. They just, his love for people and, um, just they just wanted to know him more and more you know and they 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 wanted they made you so you wanted to know Jesus you know it was yeah. just I, I don't know how to explain it any differently yes. I just yes I can you know. feel it as you as yeah. you say that I can feel that and do you feel that there was a time as you're so immersed in this was there a time when it was like you felt like there was all this forward momentum and then you felt it stop um no, I mean, not really. I just, um, it was such an exciting time. Like I say, eventually, yes, I guess maybe um, when we went, you know, as time went on, um, like I say, when we had been married and stuff like, you know, uh, and even, I guess, John Higgins, you know, noticed, I mean, because that, I think is why they decided to, you know, uh, in 75, start moving into the communities. Mm -hmm. and um, building families and uh, starting churches and reaching out to people that way, you know, and stuff. So it really was for just that season more, you know, of what Jesus is doing. And, you know, and, um, but I don't know, I don't know, you know, I, yeah. Uh, but, wow. What, let, let's talk a little bit about, about the movie because after the movie was over, all the ladies, we ladies yeah. who came together um, were, you know, uh, up, we had the top row. And so everyone wanted to hear from you. Everybody wanted to talk to you and find out, okay, how accurate is this, you know, to what you experienced? So talk a little bit about that. Well, like I say, I hadn't actually been in Costa Mesa, but Gene had. And um, from the time I met him, all he could talk about was Chuck Smith and Lonnie Frisbee. I mean, he just loved both of them. And um, and I'm sure it was mostly because they are the ones who led him to the Lord. But um, it was so accurate. I mean, he's just, he, he, like I said, uh, he got baptized in the ocean by Chuck Smith. I mean, it was wow. all, yeah. Um, it, so the movie was very accurate, you know, and again, it was that season where pe young people were just searching, you know, and I don't even think most of the time they knew what they were searching for. But um, then, you know, like you said, for myself and Gene just said, you know, and it's because now his friend Bob Marholan was not interested at all. He, in fact, that was where they end up splitting, you know, Bob Marholan went off to do his thing and Gene wanted to stay. He wanted to stay and find out more about Jesus and uh, to live for Jesus, you know, and, and uh, do whatever the Lord set before him. And so, uh, you wow. know, they had to make those choices and you see, you know, the, the two of them and one chose to go and one, you know, chose to stay. And I guess that's what, you know, it always so has been, but, but, um, you know, even watching, like I say, again, Greg Laurie moving into that house, you know, Lonnie said, oh, I've got a place you can stay. I mean, that's exactly how it was for Jean, you know, so there wasn't anything I saw in that movie that wasn't accurate, you know, and stuff. It was very well done. I was impressed, you know, and stuff. And um, in fact, like I say, when I, when I first heard about the movie, I thought, oh, I just thought it was a made up whatever movie, you know, somebody was 
kind of yeah. doing and I, I wasn't at all interested and then I started seeing little clips of what and as soon as I saw Chuck Smith and Lonnie Frisbee's name I'm like oh my gosh that's who Jean's always taught always used to talk about and stuff and it's kind of sad that um, I lost my husband seven years ago but he would have been so excited to see this movie he, he would have oh my gosh wow. he would have been there cheering on the whole thing because um because he lived it like I say he was blown away that you know but like I said by the time he got there the church was this big tent you know and stuff there were so many people and even then you couldn't fit everybody in because uh they were just coming you know by the droves to see here to hear the truth I think that's everybody's searching for the truth you yes, know yes. and um and to yeah. find out that's what it was I mean um and I remember too uh when we were left Oregon and we were going across the country to, to Michigan, um, Gene wanted to stop in Iowa. That was where he was born and raised. And when um, he left Iowa, his father was so ashamed of him because of all his drugs and everything else he had done that he told people his son was dead. Wow. He was a, he was a very strong Sicilian man and he was, you know, uh, devout and in everything he believed. So he used to, there were three boys, but he used to tell his people that his son Gene was dead um, because he just wanted nothing to do with him. He just hated him for everything, you know, that he put his family through uh, during his time, you know, doing drugs and everything. Um, so, but he wanted, Gene wanted to stop and at least see his mother. Um, and so, they set up this whole arrangement that Gene's uh, brother, Robert, was going to call his mom and tell her Gene was in town and I'll come over and pick you up and you can come to my house, you know, and Gene and I um, and the guys on his team were at Robert's house and um, just so Gene wanted to see his mother so badly. He hadn't seen her in years because, again, of what his dad had said. And um, so... We waited, and um, next thing we knew, rather than Robert going to get his mother, there a car pulls in, and it is it's Gene's dad and his mom. Mm. And um, they Gene opened the door, and his dad took one look at him and saw he still had long hair and everything, and he started swearing up a storm. And he, you're still oh. a blankety blank hippie, oh. and I, you know, what are you doing here? I don't want to, you know. And uh, his mother just started crying and bawling and everything. And um, he actually, they both came into the house and his mother just sat next to Gene on the sofa and held his hand and just cried and cried. And, mm. and uh, Gene tried to talk to his dad and he wouldn't talk to him. So he talked with his mom and uh, it's kind of really an awkward situation. But so at one point I went out into the kitchen to get some water and Gene's dad, his name is Gus, followed me out there. And he said to me, he says, do you really believe what he's saying, you know, is true? You know, is he really this different person? And I said, yes. I said, I can tell you he is. I said, he loves Jesus. He really regrets the life he lived. He regrets what he put you guys through. But Jesus has made him a whole different person. And um he loves the Lord now. And that's what his desire is, is just to do whatever the Lord has set before him. And um, he kind of just looked at me and walked away. 
And I went back out into the living room and about 10 minutes later, I guess it was, uh, Gus said, he said, Jean, would you and Pam like to come back to the house with me, with, with us? So um, it was just amazing. So we went back and they just reconciled and it was oh, amazing. My oh my gosh. Uh, it was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. And um, like I say, you just could not read. You could tell people when they love the Lord and he could, he finally gave Gene that chance to show them. And, uh, and we ended up spending the whole afternoon there. And it was funny. He got, Gus got out, out all these photo albums and stuff and um, shared them, you know, and this is this guy and this is who, you know, and so family. And so uh, we just spent the whole evening with them. And like I say, Gene and his dad were reconciled and his mother, cried for hours <laughs> she's crying the whole visit the sad whole happy just crying yeah at first cried because she was so sad but she was yes. happy to see Jean. but by the time we ended up leaving um you know it was just it was just amazing and that it was had to be a total god thing because Absolutely. um you know from gus considering his son was dead and wouldn't even he wouldn't even speak about him um and then you know reconciling with his with his son and just uh, seeing and being able to tell the difference in him. And uh, it was, it was amazing. It was just so. It's as I listen, that's so beautiful. And as I listen to you, my mind is going to how sometimes those of us who know the Lord can stiff arm uh, those who don't look like we expect them to look you know, don't fit into our mold. I mean, imagine if when, as soon as he saw Gene with the long hair and everything, I mean, he said what he said, but imagine mm -hmm. if he just turned him away completely, yes. what he would have missed out on. And yes. there's so much for us to learn because sometimes we look at people just like in the movie with, uh, you know, the hippies and then their music and the one man in the movie who, you know, I don't want to give away too much for those who haven't seen it yet, but not everybody was accepting what God right. was doing. And therefore yeah. they missed out unless they repented and, you know, you know, um, they missed out on what mm -hmm. the Lord was doing because it didn't come in the package that they expected, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that your story there reminds me of what, what was for your family, but what could have been, which would have been really sad if, yeah. You know, so that's really interesting. I, I want to ask you, have you been um, paying attention to the revival that has taken, has been going on in Asbury? I have not. I have not very much. Yeah. But you've heard about it. Oh, yes. 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 So there, you know, it's, it's so fascinating. I'm hearing that this, and I agree that this um, movie comes out at the same time where God is stirring the hearts of people, these young yes. people on yes. these college campuses who went to their regular chapel, like they always do, but somehow it never, it didn't end for a mm -hmm. long time. Even though now they said it's ended, it really hasn't ended. It's spreading to other college campuses. It's like this move of God again. Yes, um, yes. I mean, God is always moving, but I, I think that there are certain manifestations um, like you saw in, in Jesus' revolution and that I think we're seeing something right now because um, 
God is just, he's just doing things in the hearts of people, you know? Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing to see, but I want to ask you because you were in the thick of it and you were living it, you were in the, you know, you were drawn to these Bible studies. You guys were out on the streets, you know? um, So you were in it. Do you feel like, is there something that you guys were doing more of or less of or, or whatever that is so vastly different from the way we have done things that may have caused us not to experience the move of God consistently that obviously God wants us to have? Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, I mean, um, I think we do in the churches sometimes get very relaxed in what we're doing and it's easy to to um not get involved you know with I don't know if outside world is what you want and stuff but um I know for myself um even when uh before I moved here I was in Madison Wisconsin and I was very involved in uh it was more children's ministry and stuff but I I was out on the streets all the time in fact uh, and they the kids who came to our church called me Teacher Pam, and uh, but I would go into into all these different neighborhoods, and I mean, I'd have people say, "Hey, are you Teacher Pam?" And I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> I mean, and people just got to know, and um, I'd bring all these kids to church with me and stuff like that. And um, but to be honest, uh, often the like, people in the church were not interested in having those kids in my church, you know, having those kids there, and. Uh, it was always a struggle, you know, and so I, I don't know, um, wow, wow. I, you know, it, when I moved here, that was when the, I know it's not currently open, but House of Hope, I was just drawn to that right away, because yes. that was what they were doing, they were out on the streets, yes. you know, and I'm just like, this is what I love to do, this is where I, you know, and uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. a hard thing, but I think, you know, we, we get too comfortable in our church and it's too easy to just get into that routine of everyday life. And um, I don't know if we forget or we ignore what's, you know, yeah. the world outside of us. And, uh, you know, so yeah. it's hard. It's, it's sad, but. Yeah. We, it, it, it's like these people had such a fire in them as mm-hmm. you just such a fire. And, um, you know, perhaps it's because, listen, they, they knew where the Lord brought them from. Right. And, um, even though it sounds to me such an odd thing that everyone's living in these houses or whatever, there's a certain amount of encouragement in that because everyone's sharing their story. Everyone has their story. They know what God can do. They found it, what they've been looking for. And the key is how do we maintain that fire? Right. Yes. Yes, pretty much so. Because there's no fault with God. <laughs> no, that's for sure. <laughs> there's no fault with God. He still is good as he always was, and he still wants to move, right? Yes, and, uh, and I, yeah. And I believe we're in the, in a season where we're where we're seeing that we have to we have to remain hungry, and part of that is being around other people who are hungry, and then taking yes. it obviously to a lost and dying world. Because yeah, you know, a lot of times we think I'm listening to you. A lot of times we think. Oh, you know, we shy away from sharing the gospel because, oh, they don't want to hear what I have to say. They don't want to hear what I have to say. Well, exhibit A, there are people who want to hear and see and feel because you said you felt something that was Mm -hmm. different. Yeah. 
very much so. Yeah. Well, and I, I got to brag on my grandson a little bit, uh, Ethan. He's 16. And um, he uh, just recently um, really got on fire for the Lord. I really think he loved the Lord all along. He's very quiet, tends to be a quiet young man and stuff like that. But um, he, uh, God got a, just a hold of him just, I don't know, within this past year and just really, uh, I think, even was just searching, you know, he's kind of, and, um, and he has gotten so on fire for the Lord. He actually, um, just got baptized not that long ago. I mean, um, like my other grandson got baptized when he was about eight or nine, when he asked Jesus into his heart, but Ethan just was never comfortable with that. And so Mm. he waited, um, until he really, felt Jesus. I mean, until he really fell in love with Jesus and got baptized in, uh, that boy will tell anybody and everybody about Jesus right now. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. He is just, I mean, loves the Lord so much and he's so excited about it. And, uh, like Mm. I say, uh, his old friends from Madison, Wisconsin and stuff, he calls him on the phone and he talks to him about Jesus, you know, and stuff. And, um, my uh, other grandson, Jack, who doesn't know the Lord, he calls him up and talks to him on the phone. And he, uh, Jack lives down in Florida and Ethan is determined that he is going down to Florida and he's going to get his aunt and uncle and his two <laughs> cousins saved and stuff. And yes. so uh, it's, it's great to see. So, I mean, you know, there are people out there that the Lord is really getting a hold of. And uh, it's very exciting. I mean, I, yes. <laughs> It's exciting. And, you know, God is moving among um, people, period. But he is certainly doing something right now among young people. And so I, you know, my my confession is that my heart is going to be my heart is a college campus. Everyone say God's moving on the college campus. I said, (laughs) well, my heart is the college campus because I'm not going to be left out (laughs) of this of this move of God. So I, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your story. There's all this talk about Jesus revolution at the movie, right? But Jesus revolution, Pam Camerata, I wanted to hear <laughs> from, and I wanted to hear the story. And you, you really, um, you, you talked to us about it from the berry picking, you know, um, the work that you put in and then being in the house and then being out in the streets and just seeing God move. And I love how your story intersects with your husband's story, how that all comes together. It's God knows what he's doing. And yes, it is he does. Doing. Yes. And that's the one thing I thought of as, you know, I was kind of uh, getting ready for this and it's just, you see God's hand in so many different cases, you know, I mean, situations and stuff. I mean, how somebody, you know, down in California and here I come from Michigan to Colorado and end up, we both end up in, or, I mean, you just see God's hand in so many ways and stuff and maybe don't know it at the time, but when you look back at it, you're like, okay, Lord, that was you orchestrating this whole thing. Yeah, that was you all along. And, yes. you know, I want, to, I want to end by saying this. Your story should speak to all of us that we cannot count people out. We okay. cannot look at people, assume that God's not at work with those people. And for those uh, families, those parents who see their children 
not doing what they're supposed to be doing, there's hope. There's yeah. hope. Your husband, there's there's evidence oh. of what God can do and how yeah. he can change your heart. And he's yep. doing it. So yes, hold on much. to hope and believe God. Yes. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah, praise the Lord. So thank you again for being on the Adrian Ross show. Can't wait um, for uh, the response to this. And uh, I want, again, I want everyone to go to go see the movie, share this story with others as well. All right. So thank you guys for tuning into the Adrian Ross show. Please be sure to go to the BMG network. That's the bmgnetwork.com and check out the other podcasters there. We are enlightening and engaging and informative and even entertaining. So I will catch you next time on the Adrian Ross show. God bless you abundantly.